Hello, and welcome to East Africa NGO Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hill. This program is sponsored by Team in Faith, supporting women, orphans, and vulnerable children in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. Today, I want to introduce you to Daisy Masika, a teacher in Western Uganda, a mother of five, and a widow. I first met Daisy and her children in 2019 following the loss of her husband, Charles, a secondary school teacher. Earlier this year, I met with Daisy and her children again to get an update on their situation. It was good to see them. I was in Uganda again recently and sat down with Daisy to talk about her career as a teacher and the challenges of raising a family as a single mother. Daisy, it is good to see you once again in Kasese. Thank you. Nice seeing you too. So I want to get into a story to learn about your career in teaching. How did you get into teaching? What, what got you into that profession? When I went to university, my mother wished that I could do teaching. So she encouraged me to do teaching, to become a professional teacher just like her. And she inspired me. And that is how I got into teaching. And I got a degree as a secondary school teacher. So where do you teach right now? At Renzori High School, about uh, 12 kilometers from Kasese Town in Uganda. Mm-hmm. It's a village mixed school with uh, basically village children who come from the hills around and the valleys. And it happens to be my birthplace too. Hey. So they've been through primary school before they get to your classroom. Yes. These are children from primary. They are now in secondary. Senior one to senior six. And how are they performing right now? How are your students performing? Their performance is on and off. In the past years, it used to be very good and then it declined. You know, it all depends on administration, finances. It's picking up now. We have hope that in the next two years, the performance will come back to the past glory. But we are doing our best to ensure that these learners get the best they can from us, especially with the government support. Now, is it your experience that the village children versus more of the city children, is there a difference in their performance? Would the students here in Kasese perform better than students who are deep in the village and maybe don't have access to certain educational tools? The city children perform much better. They are more exposed to better primary schools. They express themselves better in the language, English. They are more confident of themselves. So the city children perform better than our upcountry children. So as teachers, we put a little more effort to get something out of these village children. But they do, they, they do try. They try. And somehow they go, they make it. We have produced many graduates from that school of ours. What sort of subjects are you teaching? What are are they learning from you? I teach history and Christian religious education. Hmm. Then history, interestingly, I teach European history and African history and then Christian religious education to the lower level. And there's a lot of history involved with that as well. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. How long have you been teaching? 
let's see, since 2001. So over 20 years, mm-hmm. 21 years. Mm-hmm. What's your view of the state of education, you know, secondary education here in Uganda? The government is putting in a lot of effort to make it more hands-on. Originally, it has been theoretical, just teaching children how to read, write, but not understanding the details of the concepts. So today, there's a new curriculum that has been developed that uh, involves learners in projects. They do hands-on. They own their own lessons. And uh, it is getting more practical. And we hope to create job makers, not job seekers. That has been our biggest problem here. So we want to address that. But it's still being uh, done at senior one and senior two. Eventually, the next lot that comes in will all be full board. Now, is, is your school in the village, do you have any access to electronics or any sort of computers for these children to work on now? Or is that just an advantage that the students in, in larger cities have? Luckily, in our school we have, but there are few, because we have about 500 students and we have about 35 computers. So you'll discover that the ratio is so broad. They are there, but we compete for them. Do you have internet? Is there Wi-Fi? It was on just last time and uh, went off after two months. It is yet to be put back. So it is still a challenge also. Now, your husband, Charles, was also a teacher. Yes. Does he have a similar experience to you? What, what, what's his story about uh, his teaching career? His experience is not different from mine. Teaching is a good profession. We teach the learners many things. But at the end of the day, the pocket remains lacking. So it was not easy being young parents with children who are growing, need to feed well and look decent. Charles found himself having to struggle. Myself and him putting our money together to bring up these children was not easy. But we kept trying until he thought that, let me find plan B, like calling it plan B. So was he a secondary teacher as yourself, as you? Yes, he was a secondary teacher. He was a scientist who teach physics and mathematics. Wow. He was a very good interesting teacher. And at one point, his career took a turn and he left Uganda. Tell me what happened there. Yeah, one day, Charles came and said, Daisy, you know what? I have got an opportunity to go and work outside of Uganda. And I'm leaving in the next two weeks. I said, Charles, two weeks? I said, yes, Daisy, let me go and test the waters. Two weeks? Say, Daisy, let me go for one year, just one year. I'll be back. You, 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 you see a difference. So I, at first I took it heavily, but then I eventually gave in and I let him go. It was not an easy step, but he left and came back after some four months. And he continued like that until I got used to the fact that he had to continue going to work out. And so where did he go? He went to South Sudan, 
We used to talk of a town called Rumbek, Atiaba, uh, in South Sudan, far away, so many miles from Juba. And there was a school there called Hope, Hope for Resurrection. That's where he was teaching. Hope and Resurrection. Hope and Resurrection. Uh -huh. Hope and Resurrection Secondary mm. School. I, mm. I say mm. that because mm. I'm familiar with it in Atiaba, oh. South Sudan. Okay. So did you get to meet Charles? Well, I don't know. I, my, it was my first visit to Uganda, and that was 2012. Mm. Well, my, excuse me, my first visit to Africa in 2012. Mm. It was in South Sudan. And mm. I, I went with a group, and we were, I was part of the group that was the NGO for the school that built, helped build the school and, mm. and hire the teachers. And I, I, I don't think Charles was there at that time. That had a, a, an influence on me in that that was my first visit mm. to Africa, but it certainly wasn't my last mm. because I, I fell in love with it. Mm. So the staff that, or the faculty at, in, at Hope and Resurrection was primarily made up of Ugandans. And so a number of them left their families and elsewhere. So you're, you're sort of getting into it, but what's it like to say goodbye to your husband? four months at a time. It was tough. Every time he packed his bags to leave, I would find myself crying. And you said, Daisy, don't cry. I feel bad when I see you crying. Don't cry. I'm going to come back in four months. So I would wave him by, pray, give him all the blessings I could. And I would tell him, let's keep in touch. So every two hours, how far, where are you? It was not easy. It wasn't easy. But I eventually began getting used to it. The first two years were tough until I accepted and I realized that uh, our welfare was kind of improving. Because you tell me, Daisy, you realize that uh, the time I've spent there, our welfare is improving. Fees is now paid on time. We are almost better than we were. So that one comforted me to just accept that well. I'll see you after four months. So well. So he was he was earning more. So it was turning out the way he had mm. expected. Mm. It was. It was turning out. It was working for us. Would pay fees with a little relief. Okay. Then in 2019, you got some bad news. Oh, that was terrible. I was in a shop, shopping for the children. The term had just begun. And I received a phone call. Daisy, have you talked to Charles? I said, no, but I'm planning to call him after I'm done with this. I hear some people have been shot in Juba. And I said, no, Charles is not in Juba. Charles is in uh, Atiaba, not in Juba. Then the, fall, the, call, the call dropped. Shortly after, I received another phone call. Daisy, how are you? Where are you? I'm in town. I'm in a shop. What are you? Have you called Charles? I said, no, but I'm planning to call him. That call also dropped. Then another. So as about five calls, I asked myself, why is everyone asking me whether I've called Charles? And I kept. Then I said, what is wrong? No one was willing to tell me exactly what had happened. They kept saying, we hear some people have been shot. Until my brother-in-law called and I wanted to know the truth. I said, Eric, tell me 
what is it? Is Charles shot? Has he died? Is he wounded? And then Eric said, most probably he's dead. Like, I, I was shocked. I dropped whatever I had, but I told myself, Daisy, calm down, calm down, calm down. The shopkeeper gave me a seat to sit. And that is when I began absorbing that possible. But I kept praying that I hope he's only injured, but not dead. Until another call came in and seemed to confirm that he was dead. It was a very bad, bad situation. And he was in Juba after all? He wasn't in Juba. He was in Drumbe. You know, Ugandans are used to calling South Sudan, they just call it Juba. He was in Rumbek, which is far, far away from Juba. That's why I had my doubts and said, no, Charles is in Rumbek at Yaba, not Juba. That was my wishful thinking, saying, no, that, that must be someone else, not Charles. Until it was confirmed that he was the one. I actually called his number. Oh, yes, I did. I called his number. It went through, and I kept talking to the ringtone. Charles, answer. Talk back. Talk. I called the second time, he did not pick. It's after the second time that he didn't pick, then I began to lose hope. I said, it seems it is true. And so you had to inform the children somehow. I quickly, I was with my cousin, luckily, and uh, she advised me to go to a nearby home, our home. We have another a home, my home where I'm born, a house nearby in town to go and keep there a bit and wait for the next move. So soon after, a car was uh, sent to come and pick me from home and take me back home to where the children are. They were now waiting for me. Everyone was waiting for me at home where I had left. People had gathered, phone calls were being made, and I realized that it is true, Charles is gone. I actually reached the compound and found many seats on the compound. Our seats had been brought out, people were gathered, and when I saw them, I then accepted and said, this is true, these people can't be gathered here for nothing. It must be true. So the reality hit me and I, I began to swallow it. You describe a sort of a, a family type of, well, an outpouring of sort of family love for you by your neighbors in the community. They, they gather mm. at your house in support mm. of you. Mm. That's, a, that's sort of a wonderful African, I, I don't think tradition is the right word, but just a wonderful African, African effect. African touch, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Africa, when you lose a dear one, when one is very sick, it becomes the business of everyone. Your neighbors move distances, they come and gather, console you, condole with you. So everyone was there. The moment I saw them, actually, as I entered the house, my father kept whispering, Daisy, be strong. Daisy, be strong. Be strong. Whoever came to me said, Daisy, be strong. And I tried to gather the little strength I had and kept there. So in Africa, we are there for each other. One's problem is everyone's problem. And it works because it consoles. Now, Charles wasn't alone at the time. He wasn't. He was with a friend with uh, Willis Hubs. Willis Hubs was a long-time friend of Charles. 
They studied together at university and he was our best man when we wedded. So they were close. They used to drive to town and back. They were very close. And unfortunately, they died together. They were shot by the same killers. So Willis and Charles are there together. Was he also a teacher at, at Hope and Resurrection? Yes, he was. He was teaching physics, math too. He was a teacher. They were close. They were very tight. Was this investigated? Was this a case of mistaken identity? How, how did these two teachers who were helping the community, I mean, how did this come about? Did you ever get answers to that part of the crime? We tried asking, and uh, it seemed to be a case of mistaken identity, though it sounded to be revenge. This uh, Dinka were revenging on uh, an African. There was a story of an African who had knocked a Dinka, and this Dinka eventually died in hospital. So they resolved, the Dinkas resolved that whichever African passes on this road driving a car, we shall shoot. That is how Charles and Willis landed in an ambush as they were going to town. So what kind of challenges do you now face as a single mother of five active, eager, Mm. wanting to learn children? That is a very big challenge, mainly financial when it comes to fees, because as a teacher, myself and Charles wish to see our children go to good schools, acquire a very good education. We are waiting to sit at their graduation party and see them graduate. So that dream is still there. And I keep, I keep wanting to fulfill that dream and say, Charles, I want these children to go to good schools and get a decent education like, like we planned. Now, getting that, getting that is tough. It is tough because when I look at the money I earn, as compared to the expenditure, it's really, it's like getting uh, water out of a rock. Mm-hmm. I earn $250 at the end of the month. And yet, my firstborn takes $250 as school fees. My second born takes $300. The third one, $150. If you sum that up already, it is exceeding what I earn. The fourth, $152. And the fifth, $120. So if you look at how much goes out of my pocket versus what I earn, you'll just wonder. Will these children achieve this dream? Will that wish ever be achieved of having them graduate with a degree or even better? It is not easy. Other than apart from even other developments, welfare, feeding, and then construction. By the time Charles died, we had just started, just laid the foundation for our first house. Our house, our, oh, a house would call our own. We had just laid it, and uh, I've managed to put it up to some level. Actually, 
from the funds that uh, when, when Charles died in May, the school offered to pay his salary up to the end of the year 2019. They said they would pay him up up to the end of his contract. So quickly, since I was now in a panic mode, I was saying, Daisy, you have to do this and the other and the other. So that money, every time it came monthly, we raised a house with a friend, close, close, played a very big role. He was like the foreman. He was, I don't know whether he was like the engineer, the supervisor, and the house is up to ring beam level. It is also roofed, but not shut. It's not habitable, but at least it is there. So that aside, school fees on this side, welfare on this other side, medical bills, it's not easy. It is tough. So those school fees that you are describing, is that for a term? Yeah, it's for a term. Mm-hmm. A term per child. Where a term is about three months. And they have about three terms a year. Yes. And then one term is off for mm. the equivalent of one term is off for mm. the holidays. Mm. Well, you have a very interesting, compelling story. And I'm I'm glad we have been able to talk about it. What can listeners do who hear your story? What can they do if they wish to help you? The best way that one can help me is to help me raise school fees for my children. That is where my biggest need is school fees. I feel bad when the children call to say, you see, I'm about to be sent home for fees. There's no pocket money. It really touches me. I would like these children to go through the education system without interruption. Because as a teacher, I know the meaning of going to school. That is the biggest need, school fees. Yes, Team and Faith is familiar with that. And we know that there are families around the country, especially Western Uganda, where we concentrate on, who struggle to raise those fees. And and Team and Faith attempts to step in where we can to help get those children over the hump. So you described for your five children fees that is close to about 900 or $1,000 mm. a term or about $3,000 a year. Mm. And yet there's another girl I stay with. She's my adopted daughter. I stay with. After the children all went to boarding, I remained in the house alone since Charles was no more. So I picked up a girl. She's in senior six, stay with her. She's a vulnerable girl, well-mannered. So she's also my responsibility. She's there with me. She gives me company. She's as good as my daughter as well. Well, Daisy, it has been a a joy and a pleasure to talk with you and learn your story in in some detail. And I, I wish you and your children who I've met the very best. We need prayers, we need help, financial help as well. We need comfort, we need company of others. That was Daisy Masika, a secondary school teacher in Uganda and a single mother of five. There is a GoFundMe page to help Daisy raise money for her children's school fees. You can find it at GoFundMe.com and search for Daisy's School Fees. You can see the link on this East Africa NGO page. Thank you for listening today.
This program is sponsored by Team in Faith, Lifting Lives and Raising Hopes in Uganda and Elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. If you are able and interested, make a donation to support our projects involving women, orphans, and vulnerable children. Visit our website at teaminfaith.org. I'll be back again soon to introduce you to another organization that is helping our brothers and sisters in East Africa. For East Africa NGO, I'm Patrick Hill.